formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Everyday Jiu-Jitsu. I am your host, and today I am sitting with one of the OGs in the game, somebody who has a lot of skin in this, and as always in Everyday Jiu-Jitsu, we like to let our guests introduce himself. So if you would, sir, give us the honor of letting us know who you are. Yeah, uh, my name is Wayne Sniffen. I am a third generation judo and jiu-jitsu practitioner, starting with my great uncle, Wally J, and then to my dad, Jimmy. Uh, my family's from Hawaii originally, and that's where um, my family first started doing uh, judo and jiu-jitsu. Nice, and what, what do you do for, um, for a living? I am a technology architect, so I'm an IT guy, I'm kind of, um, so I've been doing this for a long time. I'm kind of like um, deep, deep into it. I'm like a, a senior level, I guess, tech person. Um, so what, do you, what is that? <laughs> yeah, what is that? Yeah, so like, um, so I went to school at Western Oregon, right? And I got a degree in computer science and a degree in business. And my, I, I did a bunch of different things in IT. I've been a programmer. I've been a server guy, network guy. So I've done all kinds of different stuff. And then as a technology architect, I, um, so I'm, I'm an expert in multiple areas of tech, right? Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of different things. My, my job's pretty fun. Like some, sometimes I do things like if our company brings in this big software package, sometimes I may be like the, um, like the, the tech, uh, main tech person that runs and makes sure everything's gonna work together. Because when you bring in like a big package, you have to make sure it all works together within all the different systems, like the database and all that stuff. Mm. I'm trying to say it more in layman terms, because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, a big package like what? Like what's the like a software package? Oh, okay. So um, I work for a company that does workman's comp, and so for example, like a, a claims package, right? So a software package, which is actually what we're doing now. Um, if someone gets hurt, you know, mm -hmm. how to track that kind of information. Oh, I see. Okay. So, um, so different types of systems like that. Yeah. So my, my job is, one of my jobs anyway, is to make sure that all that works together and I have to plan like um, the different steps to get integrated into our system. That's just one of the things I do. Uh, because of my uh, technical like knowledge, I also like tr troubleshoot things. So what's really fun is when there's really complex things, there's a problem. I have to figure out like where the problem's at, you know. So like, um, there's a concept called a full stack, full stack developer, where there's like a top of the application, and then like at the front end, the application, the core code, then like uh, the operating system, and then there's drivers and, and network. And so when data travels from like the application, I say it's talking from one server to another. Mm -hmm. So data like. Like Call of Duty, for example, would be a good example <laughs> to explain it, you know, uh, more lamely. For all you Call of Duty players out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, so you have the software, the client software installed, you buy this package, it's installed on your uh, computer, 
but then there's like a server out on the internet, right? Uh -huh. And what happens is um, when you do something with your character, you know, so you move forward, it sends information to like the application, which knows how to handle that. But then that that's gotta be sent all the way to the server, right? So the because you're if you play multiplayer, everything's gotta coordinate, and so all these people are doing the same thing, you know, at once. And so so the information travels down all the way through your computer, out your network, and then goes in like these little envelopes called packets. Uh -huh. And there's tons of them, right? All this data transfers over that, and then goes back to the other side and goes back up the stack, right? And so my specialty too, um, so I've done a lot of development, but on my team, I do more of the lower level stack I specialize in. Mm. So like I interrogate, one of the things I do is I interrogate like the data, so actual packets of data that go over the network line, you know? Yeah. So sometimes I interrogate that to see what the problem's at because like developers sometimes, they do something and, and there's a problem and they think it, it could be this one thing, but when you actually look at the actual real data coming through, so the term called a packets don't lie, and so like <laughs> you actually see what's happening for real, right? Uh -huh. And so I actually do sometimes that low level type of troubleshooting, and it's pretty fun. Like I love troubleshooting because uh, the way I explain it, like to my son, is um, it's <coughs> like being a um, like an investigator. Like something happens, you know, and yeah. you have to figure out like what caused that problem, and it can be hard sometimes, but. Like for me, I, I keep pushing through it because everything happens for a reason. Like if an application or program has a bug or something like that, it's not something that's random, you know? There's always a reason why it happened. And so, um, so that kind of pushes me to actually find that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, so anyway, um, so when there's something difficult, sometimes I do that. I, I do uh, do some coding, but I'm not like up to date. So on my team, I'm part of this architecture team, you know? And uh, everyone's really good on our team. Uh, I, have a good, I have a cool boss and everything, so it's fun working, you know, where I yeah. work. And um, and so most of my team members specialize more in the software side, and, and they do more complex software stuff. I do more like um, uh, the lower level stuff, you know. So. Yeah, but still, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So um, that's like the. Um, you're like the fail-safe almost. Kind of, right? yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, um, for me, like, the more complex and harder the problem is, you know, yeah. um, the more I like to work on that, you know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because it drives me harder, even though it can, it can be hard. Like, sometimes things are complex. It may take me a few days to actually figure out, you know, and it's pretty rare that I can't actually figure out what the problem is. I mean, every once in a while, something is, like, so complex, you know, and so hard to find that I can't figure it out, but that, that's kind of rare, you know, yeah. when it happens. So, um, <clears throat> how long have you been doing that? I've been doing IT work. Um, so I finished college in, in 1990, and so um, 91 is when I first, well, I, I did some, as an intern, so I went to Western Oregon in Monmouth, right? And so uh, I did like a nine month internship as a programmer. Oh, and nice. that was pretty cool because before that I did jobs, like um, my parents owned a grocery store, and so I had experience working in the grocery store, and so I worked at Safeway and Albertsons, you know, and all the stuff. And it's pretty hard, right? Because you have to like <laughs> run around and do a bunch of stuff. And um, and when I first got my first job, did you I, say your parents uh, own a grocery store too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah. That's a small cool. one, yeah. So, yeah. so in between, like here in the coast. Yeah. And so it's it a small grocery store. And I had to work in that, and um, that also, so my parents worked hard uh, after my parents moved here, you know, um, from California. I'll get that story later on about my growing <laughs> up, but uh, 
it was 1980, and the economy started dropping, and there mm -hmm. were seven mills. So my, my family went to Walmart now, and there were seven mills there, and uh, they slowly started like closing down some of them because the economy got worse. And and at first, my my parents had like three employees when they first came here, but after a few years, you know, my dad could only afford to really have like one employee. My dad had to work seven days a week, so it worked really hard, you know. In fact, I was the first person in my family um, to actually finish college, you know. My dad did college, you know, and he wanted me to go to school, and so yeah, so I went to school, and I was the first one to, to, uh, to finish school. But anyway, so going back to my first job as, a, uh, as an intern, it was kind of neat because it's actually fun for me doing coding and programming, yeah. and also I can pay all this money. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I think minimum wage back then was like $3.35. Oh, wow. And, and I was getting like, paid like $10 an hour as a as an intern, I was like, whoa! I'm getting paid more money, yeah. not having fun doing what I'm doing, you know. And so that's pretty cool. Three ten. I think when I I think the last 335. time three thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last time for me was long. It was like six something. It's like six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm old. Three, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, <clears throat> it's a long time. It's yeah, a long but, time. But to get where I'm at, though, um, it, it's like a higher level position. So. You have to be usually specialized in like more than one area, you know. Yeah. So it's not just like a developer to go straight into that. So I have like, um, you know, I was a network engineer before, you know. So, so I have a, have a, a MCSE, I got license, you know, for that and everything. So I have like a lot of different experience. And what's interesting is my work kind of mirrors my martial arts. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I was gonna bring that up, and I yeah. was gonna ask you about that. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? Oh, I'm just saying like um, so like um, I like to do a lot of different things, you know. And so um, so I you know I do networking. Um, I do a little bit of database. You know, I, I do server. I built servers and troubleshoot servers, and uh, programming and all the different stuff. And so there's all these different areas in IT, right? That, that I work in, and it's kind of the same as my martial arts, right? So I've um, we'll get to that later on. But I have a background, you know, in stand up. I did multiple martial arts, you know, mm -hmm. and so. Um, yeah, I thought about this like a decade or so ago. I was like, oh wow, you know, they kind of mirror, mirror each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, I love my job, man. So, um, all together, that's a good chunk of time. How long is that? Like, <laughs> you're asking my age, like, <laughs> no, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, if you want. Oh yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> so I am a 54. I'm close to a 55, uh -huh. right? And I've been doing this since '91. So whatever that is, like. 30 plus years, right? Of, of IT work. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what it's considered, right? IT work? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, that's a, dude, that's like, and that was during the, that's almost like right at the beginning, right? Because everything started like what, in the 80s and stuff like that, when it started getting really like gaining momentum and computers mm -hmm. and. I mean, they've had uh, computers for a long time, <clears> right? <throat> but things like the internet started uh, exploding more in the, in the 90s, right? right? In fact, the, uh, the late 90s was like um, hot for IT work. Yeah. Because you had all these dot com things. I don't know if you remember that or not, but all these yeah, yeah. dot com startups would, start, you know, would come up and people were like overnight millionaires, you mm -hmm. know, because not like in their stock, right? Right. So not necessarily they had the cash, but their company was worth a lot of money. Right. And right. so things started going up and, um, and they had a hard time getting like um, IT workers, you know, because mm -hmm. people working in IT jobs would jump off. To try all these different opportunities because people on paper are making all this money, right? Yeah, right. In, in, in the stock market. And so, um, but then in 2001 um, is when, like, like right after close to 9/11, you know, it's like when the market crashed, uh -huh. right? And then, um, and then, yeah, that's when things got bad. And 
companies started like falling and a lot of people had laid off. Yeah. Um, I, I remember a few weeks after 9-11 um, at my job, uh, they had this massive layoff, you know, and it was kind of a shock, you know. So, wow. so they cut half my department. I mean, I work for a smaller company. There were like maybe six of us in our IT department. And so like they cut half, half the staff there. And I was there for a little bit longer. Um, it was kind of different. It's kind of depressing a little bit working there still. Yeah. But I was kind of comfortable, you know, and I wasn't ready to like um, to change jobs yet. But eventually I did, you know, and now I have a, a good job to do it there. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so you've seen a lot of growth in there, in, in that, like, world right there, too. But I remember, you know, my, I remember my dad used to tell me, like, yeah, freaking computers are the size of rooms. Yes, yeah. You know, yeah. and they're huge, and then they got smaller and more accessible, and then, like you said, the internet and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you're kind of in the middle of that big, you know, up, yeah. up, up ramp, right? Yeah, and in the 90s, <clears> I could, like, uh, do pretty well by learning and staying up in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different uh, technologies, you know, but now mm -hmm. things are exploding so fast in each area, right? So right. Like the server area, networking, programming, it's crazy how fast uh, things are changing. But I think that's why IT pays well, because you have to be willing to constantly learn, you know? Mm -hmm. Like if you're not someone that wants to keep learning, then IT isn't a job for you, right? Yeah, because so. it's continuously growing. Yeah, you always have to learn. Like, like you know, back during the uh, dot-com days, there were lots of people jumping into IT because of the money, but they weren't really into it, you know, and mm -hmm. unfortunately some of those people weren't quite as good because the heart wasn't into it, you know, right. they just did it for, for the money, and most of them, you know, they didn't last, you know, after the dot-com crash and everything. They were done. Yeah, yeah and actually, um, because of that, too, um, a lot of, like, people, like graduates, you know, like, um, computer science graduates, like, a number of them started dropping a little bit, you know, less of them started going into IT. I mean, now it's back up again, I think, but yeah. yeah. So how long? <clears throat> well, let's let's start let's start at the beginning, I guess. So like, you started martial arts in, at a young age, and you mentioned your family, you kind mentioned of. your your uncle, mm -hmm. right? So kind oh right, so kind of. And what what age was that? Um. Well, so and I, what I, was I, it? I grew up around the martial arts, right? And it's it's kind of funny because my family um, does jujitsu, you know, and. Um, it's something like when something's there, but you kind of take it for granted, you know. Yeah. And my uncle Wally, um, he's really famous, Wally J. He creates small circle jitsu uh, under his house, under his basement. He had a gym. Oh wow! And, in fact, that's where my dad, my dad's and his brothers uh, started pretty young, you know. Um, and so, like, I remember as a kid, just running. I, I see my uncle. I didn't know he was that famous, you know. He's just my uncle, right? And right. I didn't see him that much in the gi. Um, a, a couple times. When there's a special occasion, my dad would take you back. So I grew up in San Jose, California, and my uncle, my grandparents. Oh crap! You grew up in San Jose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, my uncle and grandparents lived over in Alameda, right? Oh yeah. Alameda, California, Bay Area, and so, um, but I would see my family quite a bit. You know, uh, my family was close, and so for holidays and different things, you know, we would get together. I remember playing uh, in my uncle's studio. You know, so he had like, like I said, under his house. He had, uh, he had, this whole gym was under the house. My grandfather um, helped build uh, that gym under the house. Wow. And uh, it, it's pretty, yeah. And so then um, Bruce Lee trained in that, in that gym too. Um, that's another story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Who is that guy, Bruce Lee, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and so like, yeah, so, so I remember growing up in there. But, but I didn't really think too much. Um, I mean, I knew like my dad, all his brothers, my uncles, you know, were all like black belts, you know, and stuff like that. And um, 
But at the time, like Bruce Lee was getting popular, you know, since the seventies. Yeah. And my dad would take us to see, uh, you know, some, some Bruce Lee movies. And of course, you see Bruce Lee, you know, and and back then there weren't a lot of Asian role models, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, being someone that's um, Asian, it's kind of neat to see someone like that, you know. And he's like, yeah. you know, kicking butt, you know, fighting all these guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, so I, I wanted to be more like Bruce Lee, right? And so I thought that was like the way to go for fighting, you know. And so I never really thought too much about jujitsu until I got older, until like um, ended up moving and having to fight as I got older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, so you didn't even really start until later then, right? I didn't start was, formal training in any kind of martial art until I was 15. Yeah. So 15. But okay. I mean... But you were um, around it. Yeah, I was around, around it. it. Um, I remember as a kid a few times... Um, like, like I said, my dad would go back. I think like one time... <laughs> I remember one time as a little kid... Uh, my uncle got promoted, and I'm not sure if it was jiu-jitsu or judo. Um, it's probably jiu-jitsu, and um, we went over there to the gym, and my uncle came out in like this this dress type thing. It's called a hakama, which is usually yeah, yeah. in Aikido, right? And I was a little kid, and I go, Dad, why, why is Uncle Wally wearing a dress? <laughs> <laughs> and my, my uncle, my dad kind of explained to me, you know, it's like a formal thing, you know. So I don't, that's like a memory I still remember, you know, like a little yeah. kid saying that. And it's pretty neat because, you know, my dad's out there, uh, my dad's three brothers, or uh, well, my dad's oldest brother passed away by then. Uh, so my dad's other two brothers, and um, and then my uncle Alan, who's my uncle Wally's oldest son, and some of his students, you know, black belts. Uh -huh. I remember seeing them randori. I didn't understand what it, what it was really. I see them like standing up, kind of dancing around, trying to throw yeah. each other and stuff like that. And then um, I remember my dad. Um, for uncles. those of, for those who don't know what randori is, what's ran, randori? Yeah, so randori is a judo term of like sparring, right? Okay. And um, usually it's just stand up sparring. So you have your uniform, your gi on, and, and you kind of just try to like throw each other. You know, okay. So. Yeah. Like takedowns. Yes, takedowns. Like, yeah, yeah. Like takedowns. <laughs> but yeah, so I have a memory with uh, my dad. My uncle's pokey on me and my cousin, and we do a little bit of judo, you know, and it, it, it happens to do a few things. I didn't know too much about it, yeah. yeah. So, but at 15, you 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 started officially officially training. What what did you start with? Uh, taekwondo. Taekwondo. <laughs> <clears throat> so the, the story behind that, and, and maybe um, to understand, I guess my journey, I should probably talk about my, my family just a little bit, you know. Oh, um, yeah. I, I try not to go too long about it because like there's like tons of stories in there. But uh, my family is from Hawaii originally, and the martial arts uh, part of my family started with my uncle Wally J. My uncle Wally um, grew up in Hawaii with you know. So my uncle Wally is my um, my grandmother's and my dad's side brother, mm -hmm. and he was one of six brothers and sisters. You know, he was one of the younger ones, and, and he grew up in this rough area in Hawaii, the, the same area that Ed Parker. I don't know if you guys know who Ed Parker is, but yeah, the father yeah. of like American Kempo. And so he grew up um, in the same area, and to defend himself, my uncle learned boxing. Right, and he, he did a little bit of jiu-jitsu back then, uh, but not. But he didn't train it too long. But he did more boxing, and then when he got older, he ended up uh, going to OSU, so Oregon State. So he came to Oregon State, and he worked at the post office, and he was on the boxing team at Oregon State. And what led him to a journey of jiu-jitsu was there was a coworker that he worked with at the post office. And his coworker heard that he knew how to box, and he kept egging my uncle, you know, hey, let's, let's box, let's box. And my uncle kept putting him off, putting him off. And then eventually, there was a company picnic, 
and someone brought some boxing gloves, and the guy goes, come on, let's box, you know, and he goes, we'll go easy, right? And of course, we know how that goes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so my uncle boxed with this guy, and I guess he beat him up pretty badly, you know, and so much so that the next week at work, the guy didn't show up for work. And oh, yeah. I think my uncle hit him so, so many times, like, um, kind of messed him up a little bit. My uncle felt really bad about that. And at the end of the school year, my uncle missed, you know, uh, misses home in Hawaii. So he ended up going back to Hawaii. And this is like um, in the early 1940s. Um, and we went back to Hawaii. He ended up training um, with Juan Gomez, who was a student of Professor Okazaki. And he studied Danzaru Jiu Jitsu. And so Danzaru Jiu Jitsu is, is kind of like an American art. Uh, Professor Okazaki, uh, from, what I, from what I understand, is from a samurai family, right? And he he learned jiu jitsu, uh, like the old style Japanese jitsu. Yeah. There's lots of different styles of jitsu, right, in Japan. Right. And so he learned one of them. And he came to Hawaii as a teen, and he had some health issues. He had um, tuberculosis, and so to help heal that, he started uh, doing judo and some other stuff. So he trained that, and he went back. To, uh, to Japan, he trained under Kano for a little bit. Oh no way! Wow. Yeah. So, so Kano, if you don't know, is yeah. the, the founder. You should of know, by the way, if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she trained under Kano for a little bit, and some other jitsu guys. He came back to Hawaii, and he um, he started other martial arts. He started Hawaiian lua, uh, the art of bone breaking. So that's like that's the the martial art that the Hawaiian warriors uh, used to train. Oh no way! So he studied some of that. Yeah, and he studied kung fu. Um, which is what how they got the term Danzaru. It's like a, like a Chinese name for like I think it's the name for the Sandwich Islands. You know, the name for Hawaii, the name for Hawaii. Uh. And so he started training all these different arts, and he created uh, Danzaru Jiu-Jitsu. So the core of it is really Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, but there's lots of stuff mixed into it. Oh, he also trained like uh, some pro wrestling stuff. But back in the old day, it wasn't like just fake stuff, right? Yeah, it wasn't like, WWE, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there could have been some some works like that, you know, some some fake stuff. But um, but yeah, there's a lot of like real stuff in there, you know, like like cash type stuff. Yeah. So anyway, so you combine all this stuff. Because did oh, sorry, oh, you know, ahead, yeah. but didn't did, didn't professional wrestling actually come out of like, um, like catch wrestling and stuff like that? Didn't it? Yeah. Like, it was like an offshoot, right? Um. No. No. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like. It did come from that, right? So in the old days, uh, wrestling, so wrestling was actually in the United States, wrestling was really popular uh, in the old days, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it was common to have like big events, you know, and, and wrestling. Like in the early 1900s, I believe, uh, they had like different wrestling events, you know, and yeah, it's so like uh, catch us, catch can. Right, right. And so yeah, it's, it's very popular. But then it, uh, it was easier to do the pro wrestling, right? So, yeah. so like, and, and it's more popular because you can probably do more like, fancy things, you know? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, like, you know, when you roll, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you can't do all the cool fancy stuff. And, right. like, people that don't understand wrestling, when they see some, like, big throw or something, something really cool, you know? Yeah. Then it looks, it's more, more entertaining, right? Right, and right, so, right. And that's how pro wrestling just got uh, more popular. Yeah. And then it kind of turned into what it is, right? Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the over the top. Yeah, yeah. Rawr, right. This week in a WrestleMania kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind yeah, of yeah. split off that way. So, um, so go, anyway, going back to Okazaki, yeah, um, he also got well known too because um, there was a boxer. This is probably the 1930s, an American boxer that came to Hawaii and was challenging like the, the, uh, a lot of Japanese like martial artists, you know, and uh, and Okazaki stepped up, and they had this challenger match, and this. 
I think his name was Kale Morris or something like that. Um, and this boxer, uh, he hit Okazaki and broke, broke Okazaki's nose. But then eventually Okazaki got his arm and broke his arm. <laughs> he won a match and then became like, you know, a hero of that thing. But Okazaki, uh, anyway, so Danzaru, he created Danzaru Jitsu. And uh, he was one of the first people to teach um, like non-Japanese. Because uh-huh. back in the old days, uh, Japanese, no, no, right? Yeah, only taught the Japanese uh, people, you know, and, and Chinese only taught Chinese uh, Chinese martial arts, right? And Okazaki taught any any nationality, um, and also taught women too. So like, the women weren't really taught martial arts too back in the old days. Yeah. And so anyway, so that's the art my uncle learned, right? So you so learned that, and uh, there's more stories in the 1940s, like during World War II and stuff like that. But um, so my uncle learned that. He got his uh, second degree, like a year after he got his black belt, he got the second degree in, directly under Okazaki, mm. right? Um, Uncle Wally, and then, let's see, oh, and then uh, what I want to say is, eventually he would create something called the small circle theory, and what happened was, there was a, a guy named Ken Kawachi, and he was like an all-Hawaiian champion. I think he weighed like 145, and he started training with Okazaki at his dojo, and, and he also got black belt pretty quickly from Okazaki, you know, because of experience. And one night, three really big Hawaiian wrestlers um, came in, and Ken Kawachi easily threw all three of them. And my uncle was so impressed with that, he he wanted to learn, you know, like how to how to do that, you know. And so he added like a couple more nights uh, doing judo, you know. And so he started adding judo, and he realized that the key thing that made um, Sensei Kawachi's uh, throws so effective was like this wrist action. Which would eventually become small circle jitsu, and and my uncle noticed like when he did danzaru jitsu. So how danzaru jitsu is trained is uh, there's these charts, right? And you like katas, right? Mm-hmm. And you and, you, and the different ones, one for throwing, like the nagi. Uh, there's a uh, there's a choking one, the, sh- the shimmy chart, and there's a bunch of other charts, you know. And so you learn all those and you practice those, and uh, from there, uh, my uncle when he like, started training the different techniques. Sometimes they work well. And sometimes they wouldn't work, work well, you know, for him. My uncle wasn't too athletic, too. In fact, he did a judo tournament, and he got his arm broken, you know, in the judo yeah, tournament. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, so Sensei Kawachi says, oh, maybe you shouldn't do, you know, judo. Yeah. <laughs> and so my uncle became more of an instructor, right? You know, so he wasn't as, like, well-known for, for competing, but he was well-known for being a good teacher, right? And so, uh, anyway, so that's how that came about. And eventually, my uncle moved to Alameda, California. But before that, uh, there was like this big Hawaiian judo tournament. I mean, they, always, they had judo in Hawaii for a long time, mm-hmm. but there was a big tournament, and Okazaki won his, his black belts to enter it. And because they didn't do that much randori sparring, uh, all his black belts, except for like one, got, got beaten, right? And so Okazaki wanted to add judo to the curriculum, but then uh, a few years later, he passed away. And that kind of, um, I think that kind of made my uncle want to add judo. So some of the, um, the senior uh, Danzaru guys, like my uncle, they wanted to add judo to their curriculum. So when my uncle moved to Alameda, California, when dad was seven, he uh, opened up his gym and taught judo and jiu-jitsu, right? Mm-hmm. So at first he, he trained, he taught in Oakland for a little bit, uh, and then my grandfather helped build the dojo under his house, you know, right. excavating you know, the bottom part of the house, the basement, to make it bigger and everything. And they start teaching there. And um, then that's where my, uh, my dad and his brothers and my uncles you know, start t- uh, training, and aunts. Yeah, this is water. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. 
So then, um, anyways, that's a story you know, with my uncle Wally. And my dad started in 07. He and his brothers, and they, and they would train like almost uh, every night, you know, mm -hmm. um, all the time. In fact, they trained so much that by the time my dad was like in his early 20s, he was broke out, you know. And so he, he totally stopped doing judo. <laughs> oh, really? So, yeah, so that, that's why I, I didn't grow up doing judo and jitsu, because mm -hmm. my dad like didn't want to do it anymore, you know, because from seven to whatever. And during that time, like, so this is like the 60s, like late 50s, 60s. Uh, judo was like one of the more popular martial arts. At one time in America, judo was like the, the most popular martial art. You know, if you don't include like wrestling and boxing yeah, yeah. <laughs> as martial art, uh, judo was like the big thing. Yeah. And, and almost like all the colleges, you know, in the country had judo teams. And then in the 60s, karate started becoming popular and then priests and other martial arts, right? right? And then judo kind of fell off. But yeah, yeah so judo was really popular. And because they started when they were young, my dad and all their brothers, all his brothers got their black belt at 17. Except the youngest one, Uncle Doug, when he was um, 16, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they went against adults, you know? And so I heard all these stories growing up of my family, you know, like how they would do stuff. And it was pretty neat, you know, like how they do well and, and beat yeah. people and stuff. But again, I was more, because of Bruce Lee, you know, I was yeah. more into like... Um, <laughs> Striking. Do all the, yeah, that, that was cool. Like you see you know, Bruce Lee jump up, kick someone in the head, whatever. You know, right. Yeah, it's pretty cool, yeah. Plus, yeah. Bruce looks cool, right? So yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, man. Especially with the what was the one? Um, oh, can't remember. He had like the the scars because the, the guy had the you know they're on the island. Enter the remember? dragon. Enter yeah. the dragon. There you go. Yeah. yeah Trust me, a, I've seen all those movies a yeah. times, right? That was a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, yeah. So you want to know like how I got into the martial arts from yeah, there? Yeah, and you started in in Taekwondo. You said right. Yeah, so um, when I moved, I moved to Wilmina in 1980. So I was like 13, you know, when I moved to uh, Wilmina, and it was a big shock, right? So you're going from California, the city, right? Yeah, <laughs> to like small town, and I didn't know anybody, right? Of course, and and it, it was kind of neat as far as like it was different, you know. I could see all these like wild animals, you know, which I didn't see unless I went camping in California, you know. So right, that, right. that part was kind of cool, but then like I said, it was a small town, and Wilmina kind of had a bad rep back then. So like like there's a story like not too long before I moved there, there was like this basketball game and the parents from Wilmina and this other school, they were like brawling on, on the court. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a Wilmina. And in fact, my first week in high school, there was a fight, multiple fights, every single day the first week, you know, and so that's how it was. But so yeah, so I moved to Wilmina. Um, I didn't know anybody and I was kind of a, a skinny kid, you know. When I grew up in California, like in junior high school, I didn't have to worry about, I mean, I was kind of wimpy, I guess, <laughs> growing up, because I, I could avoid like situations. Because uh -huh. my junior high school I went to in California was huge. There was like, I don't know, two or 3,000 kids. And from there, half would go to one high school, half would go to the other high school. And that's where I first got really, like, uh, got bullied, I guess, you know. And so like, like, like one kid would walk up to me, you know, and all of a sudden hit me in the groin area with his knee, you know, and like, yeah. ah, like what the heck, you know. And, for yeah. nothing, for being just just because a crazy kid or what? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And, and and now I'm small and skinny, right? And so yeah. like I was like, so I go okay, so I just avoid that kid, and I could because the school's so huge, right? right. So there's like two or three kids that were like um, kind of bullies, you know? Yeah. And so uh, maybe I was an easy target, but so I could avoid that. But also now I'm moving to a small small school. Yeah. And I can't avoid that, right? Mm -hmm. And for the very first day, 
I was kind of tested, right? I, I remember like in wood shop, I was kind of doing stuff. And, and you so, still got like a sore thumb too because you're brand new. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You didn't grow up around there. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know anybody, right? Yeah. And like, and these kids, you know, and now is like um, one of the few like non white kids over there, right? Um, and I remember like, like first day of school, some kid like in shop class put like a, like a, a sticky thing on my back and you know, it was just kicking me or something. And all the kids are laughing, you know, and stuff. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of scared because I don't know what to do, right? You know, and I, like now I thought that if I were to pick a fight, um, the other kids may be like a gang for me, you know? Like, I don't know. Right. I've never been in that kind of situation, you know? Yeah. And so, and I remember like one kid asking me like what nationality it was because I'm brown, you know? Um, not so much now, maybe, but. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been up here in the clouds too long, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and so one kid asked me, so I said, you know, I'm Chinese, Hawaiian, English, right? And so that started like all these racial things. Like I heard every kind of Asian joke you can hear of. Yeah. Um, yeah, so walking down the hallways, I mean, most of the kids are pretty cool, but you know, you know what I'm saying? There was like yeah, a you, group, group you of got kids, them you know? some, yeah. Yeah, and I think because there's nothing to do with one mind, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. And so I, I got pushed around a lot and everything. And and then it got pretty bad in PE. I remember um, in PE, there was like this really big kid. He like flunked some eighth grade. Uh, he like yeah. flunked. He was supposed like, to be in college and stuff already, right? <laughs> he, was, he was at least three years older than me. Like, and he was like adult size. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so, and now I'm the skinny kid. Like, so to get an example of how skinny I was, like um, I wrestled my senior year and I wrestled at 132. So like I'm I'm the same height I am now. Yeah. I was at like 132. Wow. wow. <laughs> well, I, I cut weight actually. I cut weight like not eating lunch, and so I probably weighed maybe like 136 as a senior, right? Yeah. And so yeah. And, and, and how tall are you? Uh, I'm about five nine. Yeah. Five nine. Yeah. So you're pretty skinny. Yeah. 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 yeah now yeah. I'm a lot bigger, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So back then, so yeah, and so um, now it's probably smaller. Yeah, and so I remember this big kid like came up to me and he um, he told me to do something, you know, and like um, so one time I didn't do it, and so getting on the shower, he like punched me like really hard, and so I'm looking knocked the wind out of me, and yeah. then it got became really physical, right? So then I got like, oh man, this is getting bad. So I remember um, I, I was kind of scared. I went back home. I was embarrassed too, you know. If I hear stories about my dad and all his brothers, how tough they are, yeah, and like that, you know, and like here I am, it's like oh, you know, helpless <laughs> almost, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, like, yeah, I was kind of crying and stuff, you know, not, not knowing what to do. So I asked my dad, you know. And my dad was really cool about it. Like, he actually says, you know, I had the same kind of issue growing up, like, when I was in grade school. And he goes, what you got to do is you have to show them that you're not going to take it and fight back. And so, <laughs> of course, I'm scared because this guy's really big. I've never been, like, like a real fight before, right? You know, I'm, you know, you mentioned that, and I'm, I kind of miss hearing that kind of stuff. You know, you don't really hear that anymore where, you, you know, you got to fight back. You yeah. know, you got to defend yourself. You got to stand up for yourself. You know, it seems like sometimes it's more common now to like, oh, you got to protect the, you know, protect the kid, and you, yeah, you yeah. know, and like, let's incubate or not incubate, like, pad everything, you know, kind of stuff. And it's that's that's freaking awesome. And it's cool that he didn't give you a hard time for like losing a fight or anything. No, you, yeah, my dad wasn't like um, really emotional as a person. You know, like, um, I don't know, he was kind of old school, right? You know, yeah. and like. He didn't really tell me very much that like, he loved me, you know. I mean, yeah. I knew he did, right? You know, he, yeah, he did yeah. it like older three times, you know, and stuff. But, but, um, I know, yeah. I mean, he was always there for me all the time, you know. And like, I, obviously, he's one of my heroes too, right? Growing yeah. up, you know. And, and so, like, so I asked him. <laughs> so anyway, so I knew, like, oh man, I'm gonna have to fight this guy, you know. And um, so, of course, what happens? 
a kid doesn't mess with me. So, so, I'm, so I'm going to bed every night super nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like I'm thinking, oh man, I gotta fight this guy, you know. And then, so, like, oh, what? Like, what the heck? <laughs> All of a sudden, he's just like, doesn't care anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then of course it comes back. And so, uh, so in Oregon, you know, our veins a lot here. Uh, there was one day where it rained, so PE was inside, and so we did ping pong, right? Mm. <laughs> and and of course the PE teacher he leaves, you know, we're there. And, and so they, that big kid, uh, you know, decides to like kind of bully me. So he grabs his ping pong ball and he throws it across the room. And he goes, pick it up. And I think, oh crap, you know, I get this. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. You know, yeah, today's so, the day. Yeah. <laughs> After a month, of, right? <laughs> yeah, and so I was, kind of, I was so scared. I was, kind of, I was kind of stiff, you know. But then I, I just threw a punch at him. And he's so tall, too. Like, you know, like I say, he's adult size, you know. Yeah. And, and I'm like eighth grade. And so I hit him in the chest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't reach his face, you know, I hit him in the chest. And um, I'm not fight, right? I'm just right. swinging. And fortunately, he didn't have fight either. So like, he starts swinging his arms like he's swimming, you know, boom, like all these yeah. big hooks, you know. And so <laughs> the yeah. classic crazy roundhouse thing, haymaker, oh, yeah. yeah. And so I'm hitting him, he's hitting me, and then um, a teacher across the hallway hears it, stops the fight, you know, and and so. But after that, my dad was right. That kid never ever messed with me again. Even like later on in the year, other kids would mess with me. He was always quiet. He never joined in. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, stuff like that. And um, so my eighth grade year and ninth grade year, I was pretty much like scared to go to school every day because I, I never knew, um, like, if not to get in a fight or something like that, you know? Because like I still had a lot of bullying, you know, type things. Uh, not so much physical as much, but you know, I mean, sometimes like physical, like pushing and stuff like that. Um, and, and then they had initiation my freshman year. So freshman like initiated, not just me, but all freshmen. Like a hazing kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so, um, and so I was kind of nerdy. I was into D&D &D and stuff, you know? So like. Oh, no way. You were into D&D. &D. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I did it. I was one of the nerdy kids, right? So California, that's where um, I got into it, right? Mm. And it was kind of good because like there's nothing to do. Like now I have internet everywhere, you know? Right, yeah. So we didn't have any internet, you know? So like the summers were kind of boring, nothing to do. So I would get together with some friends, you know, and we did that. And so anyway, so yeah, that was hiding in the library. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I made some friends, uh, upperclassmen friends, you know, too, because you know, some of them got into D and D and stuff. Yeah. And so, um, but anyway, yeah, so I, so I got into a lot of fights, and um, but it was really bad. Like I said, the first couple of years, I was like scared to go to school. You know, like so I would like uh, appreciate all the moments I wasn't in school. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then I remember waking up like in the middle of the night, look at the clock, I'm like, oh man. Five more hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, and I got used to kind of being nervous going to school all the time. Um, yeah. So I, I got into like a few more fights. Um, you know, I, I got beat up a couple of times. And what's funny is, well, mine is such a small school. If I got into a fight in high school, by the time I got home, my parents would know about it already. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, right. and this is before internet. No, no cell phones and nothing like that. Yeah, just so, a parental word of mouth and the yeah, school, some, right? I'm how, how it travels so fast, you know. Yeah, like, uh, yeah it's weird. Like, so obviously, some some kid at school must have told their parents somehow. Right. Like, like, how's it happen? You know, like, right? It's not, yeah. An hour or two later, and they already know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So then, um, what happened was from there, uh, they offered Taekwondo. Uh, through, through Shemekada, and it was at a nearby uh, school, uh, Sheridan High School, and the principal there, Larry Parsons, he was like um, the guy teaching it, you know. And so I go, oh cool, I can learn martial arts, you know. And, and my dad, so before that though, my dad did show me like some jiu-jitsu type stuff, you know, mm. and show me different things, what to do in the ground. A little, little bit of basic stuff? Yeah, basic stuff, but you can't do, you can't learn those things if you don't practice it, right? You know what I'm saying? Right, like, yeah. yeah. 
And so it didn't really help me too much. You gotta get some time into for it to sink, right? Yeah, and you have to feel what it's like, right? Especially because yeah. I was smaller, you have to be, have good technique, right? To do yeah. something to someone bigger than you. And actually what's funny is my dad told me how, uh, how to how to fight, take get knocked to the ground, how to get up. And he laid in his back, like guard, you know? And he says, this is what you gotta do, you know? If you get knocked to the ground, go to your back, and you gotta like um, uh, kick the guy, whatever, and stand up. And it's, it's similar to what we do in Grace Jiu-Jitsu, you know? And when I saw that, I was laughing at my dad. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? I go, if you lay in your back, the guy comes up, you know, and kicks you in the groin, you know? Right, you know? yeah. And, but, I mean, what's funny is, uh, so like later on, when I started training Grace Jiu-Jitsu. Which is a like, legit oh. crash question though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't know anything, right? Yeah. I don't know anything about martial arts, but it looks silly, you know, the guy laying his back like a turtle, you know, on his back, you know? <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's like, what, for real, you know? And, and, and um, but yeah, I mean, so like, uh, that's what that's what he showed, and it also trained so my uh, uncle Wally uh, P Box and his his son who's about my uh, I think same age as my dad Alan J he um, he boxed too, and so when I went to Cal Alameda a few times my uncle Alan showed me how to box too you know? oh, okay. so I, so learned how to hit for real and also yeah so a little bit of something yeah but I I have so I, no I hit hard but I, have, I didn't have experience like trying to use it you know yeah but I still not hit hard right. And um, anyway, so Taco Doe came, and I remember in there, because I still had a lot of people, like enemies, and a couple of friends, like either uh, this Native American kid uh, named Brian, you know, uh, one of my close friends. Um, it was pretty cool. He's the only person I had with me on my side, like in the fights, you know. Yeah. The other kids have lots of, lots of other kids, you know. Yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> them, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, so I started doing Taekwondo, and I got, like, I took it really seriously, right? And I read a bunch of Bruce Lee books about training and everything like that. And things, after my, um, my freshman year, things weren't quite as bad, but I still had some racial stuff, uh, racial stuff you know, happening to me, and um, there were still some kids I didn't get along with, you know, I still knew it was a good chance I may have to fight some other kids. And I had things happen to me that weren't necessarily like bad enough to get in a fight, but they're close to that, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, Kind of so, hugging that edge, hugging that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember training, and plus all this, the, the trauma, I guess, whatever, the <laughs> the first couple of years there. Right. So when I trained, I took it totally seriously, you know? And so like, when they did testing too, for like yellow belt, was the first belt, you know? They, they also ranked someone like, like the um, highest level, you know, uh, to be like, like say someone had to teach or something like that, or do something. So I actually scored the highest, you know, my yellow belt test. But I took it super seriously, and I trained hard. I remember Bruce Lee talking about like, how you train is how you fight. Yeah. And and oh, my uncle too in boxing told me how, showed me how to wrap my hands, you know. And my and punching the punching bag, I would hit so much that so it's a canvas bag. My dad hung from the ceiling. That if you hit, uh, if you don't hit center, it kind of glances off. So yeah. many times my hands would be all bloody, you know. And yeah, that's <laughs> what I was gonna say. It's so, an old school bag where that's just like really rough gi material almost, right? It was like super textured. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 yeah in fact, Mike has got a bag just like that. I saw a picture. Uh, Mike Downing, you know, uh, yeah. had a picture of him practicing, you know, he has his, has his bag and had the same one he has and also taped up because it would like get worn out. So you put duct tape over it. Yeah, rip a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <tape>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, my hands would be all bloody and stuff and so I'd soak with Epsom salt and there. So anyway, yeah, so that's kind of my um, journey, right, into the martial arts, into formal training. Yeah. Before that, I seen stuff, but now the first time I was in a class type setting, right? And so, um, and it's important to hit something heavy because in the Taekwondo class, it was still like uh, you punch a kick in the air, there's light contact sparring, 
and my uncle Alan was talking about how important it is to hit something uh, solid. Yeah. Because you got to get used to that. We hit someone, they're solid, right? Right, right. And that's why... Strengthens the bones and stuff too, right? And that too, skin yeah, yeah. And everything, yeah. And so that's how we, um, I got used to hitting a heavy bag. And after that, I never lost another fight after um, I started doing Taekwondo. I got a couple other fights, one with like one of the toughest kids in school. I got in a fight, but again, these weren't fights because I wanted to, because I had to, you know. I got to fight that kid. And then I got in one fight that was like uh, 40 minutes long. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was the last fight I got into. And, and I knew ahead of time I was going to fight this kid. What happened was he um, was bullying my brother, my younger brother. Yeah. And so, um, so I stood up for him, you know, and I said, hey, you know, but. I was gonna call that kid out the next day, so I had the night before to train. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. So I started practicing heavy bag. You know, I started yeah. practicing like my punches, ready. My kicks. Oh yeah, yeah, like, like Rocky type thing, right? Yeah. Well, of course, I thought Rocky in my head. So. <laughs> and um, in fact, uh, uh, Michael Jackson's "Beat It" song was popular there. Yeah. And so I was playing that all the time. In fact, before I got a fight, I was playing that to motivate me, right? Yeah, beat it, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, so, and anyway, so I was practicing my side kicks and um, all my kicks and everything. And in class, I was doing a spinning back kick, right? So I said, well, you know, I need more things to practice, you know, because I was kind of nervous. I didn't want to stop training. So I started practicing my spinning back kicks. And so then I called the kid out. And then so we ended up at lunchtime fighting way out, like um, behind the school, there's some ponds behind the school. And, and of course, he's bigger than me, right? He's bigger than me. And he, and he goes there, he's got all these friends with him. And me, it's just my friend Brian and I, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we're out there. And the first thing he does, he rushes me, and he puts me, like he tries to get me down to the ground. Because everyone knew back then too, like if you get like Mount, we didn't call it Mount, but if you sit on top yeah. of someone you know, the guy does that, he can like beat the crap out of the person. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he, so he tried to rip me down to the ground, and I was like deathly scared, because I didn't wrestle yet. But I was like, man, this kid's bigger than me. If he gets me down, I'm in trouble. So he got me in the headlock, and he was punching me with his left hand in the head, and like, um, it wasn't that powerful, right, because just, you can't get a lot of like um, power behind it from right. that close, but I remember using like a martial arts thing. I saw my uncle. My uncle has a book. I trapped his hand, and he couldn't punch me anymore. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. And so then eventually, um, he he backs up right, and we stand off. And then I go, okay, now it's time to use my taekwondo. And so I so I so I throw a side kick, and he catches it. And I was like, oh, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh no. <laughs> yeah, and, and then so I pulled away, and, and all of a sudden he starts like. Moving to kick at me. Like, oh my god, this guy knows stuff too. He knows how to So then, and, and so I try to kick him again, and same thing happened. It didn't work, you know, and I think caught it. And so I go, oh man. So I, I was kind of freaking out. I go, what do you do? And so then I waited for him to come towards me, and I was backing up during the distance. And, and I said, well, let's try a spade back kick. And boom, I nailed him with a spade back kick, nice. and I knocked the wind out of him. But I was like too scared, you know, because he's big. To capitalize you know? on to it. Capitalize. Well, yeah. I don't experience, you know, they know like if someone's are they that wounded or not, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so anyway, so we had to stand off. That's why it took so long to fight, you know, like because um, like when you do that, if you, if you try to throw a kick like all all power, you're gonna miss more, right? So it's gotta be powerful, but not like hard, as hard as you can, right? Yeah. And so uh, anyway, so I hit him like a few more times, and then eventually the school a superintendent drives by and sees it. And so, so he stops the fight, and then that's when, like, I put my hands down. That's when the kid uh, hit me a couple times in the face, you know. And so, yeah. what the heck, you know? And then I get in trouble because uh, for the superintendent, he, he scolds me. He goes, "What are you doing fighting this kid where he's like so much bigger than you?" And so, <laughs> you're like, "You don't understand." <laughs> and so anyway, but you can see my face still. Like it was like you know had a black eye and stuff. And yeah, he didn't have anything um, marks, but 
uh, another friend that saw him at the arcade, you know, and he said he was barely moving because I hit him in the chest, you know, uh, yeah. so many times, you know. So, um, anyway, but, how long did you do, how long did you do Taekwondo for? So I did Taekwondo throughout high school and then I went to college. And I was supposed to actually test for my black belt in Taekwondo, mm -hmm. but I didn't feel like, to my family believes, uh, if you're a black belt, you should be able to beat an average adult, right? So, so in other words, my family doesn't believe in like kids should have a black belt, you know? Right. Um, that's another story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, it's like, like you said, not nowadays, like entitlement. Like every kid should be a winner, you know? Yeah. I, I don't believe in that because in life, you're not always going to win, right? Yeah. You know? And so, um, anyway. And you should have those losses too. You shouldn't, yeah, yeah. You yeah. should embrace that kind of stuff. I mean, it's hard and it sucks yeah. and it doesn't feel good, but. Yeah, well, it, why, why, is it, why does it have to be a black belt? You know, I think a lot of it's for money making, you know? But, yeah. but, but why does it have to be a black belt? Like, couldn't it be like some other belt that's high, you know? And everyone knows, like, in that school, that's that's a high belt for a kid, right? You know? Right, but, yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe for the parents, because the parents know what a black belt is. and Because a lot of parents that put them in martial arts, they don't understand what the martial arts are, you know, what, what Yeah, they just know black belt from Hollywood or something, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But because my family's old school, yeah. But I mean, not that my family didn't tell me not to take a black belt, it's just me personally. Yeah. Like, I didn't have the confidence that I could, because I've been in fights, right? That I could beat someone like, a, like an adult that's a lot bigger than me. You know, I didn't have that confidence, so so I didn't. I, I kind of wish I would have done that, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, but, um, but that's that's what, that's what I was thinking. And then so I went to college and I um, made some friends there. In fact, I have a friend named Dave Hagen um, that saw me training. He was in the military and everything. You know, my freshman year, and he wanted to learn Taekwondo, so I started teaching him Taekwondo. Now he's like a famous MMA referee and stuff like that. You know? Oh wow, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, my my sophomore year, I ended up training Taekwondo, international Taekwondo, against um, Lieutenant um, Bruce Combs. So he was at Police Academy because Police Academy back then was at Western Oregon. I don't think it's there anymore. Anyway, Howard Webb he taught like a Taekwondo class, and so I started training under him for a while. He was like a fourth degree in Taekwondo. And then he didn't want to do it after a while. And one, and one of his friends is one guy named Howard Webb. Oh, this guy. <laughs> he did Okan Kempo. And Okan Kempo is like, so karate, you know, came from Okinawa originally. Yeah, yeah. And so it's that style. And it's a really hard style. And when we sparred too, we did like full contact sparring. Mm -hmm. But we had like these uh, headgear on and some other stuff. And it, yeah, and so like, it's pretty intense, you know, so we did full contact sparring over there, but it's really old school. You have like deep stances, you know. I, I kind of found out like, I think karate is good, but it's harder if you're not built for it. You know, like if you're kind of stocky, mm. I think karate works better, but if you're kind of skinny like me, yeah. <laughs> not so much, you know. And so, really? Yeah, yeah. So when did, so what did you, after you did Taekwondo, what, 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 what moved you into Jiu-jitsu? Jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Is, is that where you went from? Taekwondo to Jiu-jitsu? Well, before that, I um, so, so, so I, I was still on the bandwagon of stand-up striking, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really think too much about Jiu-jitsu. And this is before the UFC, right? And so, like, I was still on that. And I trained in martial arts. After school, I went to Hawaii. Um, I, I, I trained, like, a little bit of Kung Fu. Uh, I got to see different things. I came back to Oregon. I took a break, you know. I met my wife uh, here in Oregon. Um, <laughs> and it was funny when I met her, 
I was taking a break from doing martial arts at all. So, so she didn't even know, know I did that much martial arts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like sprung it on her after, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, so I took, took a break. And then um, there's, a, there's a school, uh, Stills Karate, over in Salem. And this guy named John Oliveira that taught it, right? And he was a, a pro boxer. And he taught, uh, I, I can't remember what style of karate it was, if, if it's Shinoru or Shotokan. I, I, I trained both of those um, a little bit. But so he taught that. So it's like a karate school, but when we sparred, it was like full contact, you know. And I remember sparring, sparring over there. We didn't spar all the time, but we did, you know, with full contact. And I remember like one night getting like clobbered, right? <laughs> and and I hit, I hit a lot, so much that when I went home and I laid down, the whole room was spinning, you know. And oh, I was wow. like, oh wow, I got a concussion maybe or something. Maybe I don't know. I go, man, I go, this is not fun. And, and to be honest, like I didn't want, I don't mind contact. But I hate getting hit in the nose, right? My eyes water up, no matter you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, 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 so I started doing that. But then, about seven months later, seven months later, my dad, he needed to get in shape for, um, for medical insurance. And he saw that I'm an alma mater at Western. <laughs> After I left, they started offering judo there. Oh, wow. And so there was this guy named uh, Johan Muller, um, who's, uh, I think, like a year older than me. But he, he started doing judo when he was a kid. So he's like really good. And so, so I, I went to that class, and I remember it was kind of cool, you know. I wasn't as nervous because my dad was there too, you know. And I remember the first night, so we did regular drill stuff, you know, you, you do warm ups, you do the technique, and then you do sparring, you do randori, right? And I remember the very first night when he threw me to the mat, I went to wrestling mode, you know, because you could do grapple too, you know. And like, I knew, like, oh, this is what I want to do. It was so much fun. Because I, I, I loved wrestling. So my senior year, I wrestled. And so I, um, I loved wrestling. And I knew, like, this is what I wanted to do. And so that's when I totally changed. So this is like in early 93, that's when I totally switched from like having the mindset of striking more over to uh, grappling, right? And so. So, so what, so you think that was that turning point right there? Where it's like you got thrown in the mat, you tried it out, and yeah. you're just like, this is it, this is where, I, this is where I'm gonna stick. Yeah, I mean, there were hints like all along how effective jiu-jitsu is. Yeah. Like when I was in high school, <clears throat> one time there was a really big kid that was messing with me, and I pulled him to an armbar, <laughs> reverse yeah. armbar, yeah, a walking guitarmy, and it worked, you know. And the kid goes, "What?" You know, like, like, yeah, he stopped messing with me. And then, and then uh, I did security too. So I did security for a little bit. I was in college. Then I remember this big marine guy I, I got into an, um, an issue with. And I remember pulling him into an armbar. Same thing, you know, fast armbar. And I was like, uh-oh. I go, like, I didn't want to break his arm. And so I said, well, if I let go of it, he's probably going to want to fight me. So I was getting ready to, like, you know, for a fight, I have to let go of it. Right. So I let go of his armbar. But then I think the pain, you know, like, like I think it was a shock. Like, all of a sudden, this guy is putting pain on him, even though he's bigger than me, right? Right. And, and so after that, like, he, um, yeah, he just walked away, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like, it was actually another another guy that worked security, and he was kind of another bully type thing, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and then other things, too, like, I, my friend Brian, he was um, visiting a cousin in Los Angeles, and this really big guy came up to his cousin's place and wanted to fight his cousin. And, and my friend Brian, he didn't want to let him, like, in. So the guy went to reach out to grab my friend, and, and Brian just grabbed him by the thumb and broke the guy's thumb. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, immediately like it stopped the fight right there, or stopped, right. The, stopped the situation. And this is a little big guy too, right? So that, it's like a thumb lock, right? So that, that's a jiu-jitsu technique. And also, uh, uh, another friend too, I was in school with, uh, named Tony, 
he like he's not very um, athletic. I mean, he's somewhat athletic now, but he's not like a super athlete, right? Yeah. And so, and and for fun in college, we would do like yawara, these hand darts, like wrist locks, um, arm bars, different things. And I remember just in passing, showing him some stuff, but we didn't really train it too much. And he got in a situation at a bar uh, where this guy like went to grab him, and he put the guy in the arm bar. Oh, wow. and, and I, yeah, like I said, I've only showed him how to do that I me mean, a few times. And so all these different things all along was kind of like showing how effective Jiu Jitsu is, right? Right. And so, but, but Jiu was so much fun, like, I started sticking with that. And I found too, like, you know, the, the movies where like the martial arts supposed to be something where someone small can beat someone bigger in right, you know, right. martial arts. The problem with the striking arts is if you're smaller, like, I can hit someone bigger like a bunch of times. But if someone's big, all I gotta do is hit you one time. Yeah. And like, it can be done, done for, right? You know? and, and I found that through sparring and striking. You know? I mean, you have to be really, really good, right? Um, I mean, I, I guess it varies. If the guy's untrained, maybe yeah. not so much. But if you're doing like a trained, trained, you know, yeah. the bigger guy has an advantage that, that once he hits you, you're gonna be in trouble. And so for me, even smaller and skinnier, you know, it was harder. But yeah. judo, because you have so much leverage, a smaller person can easily. Um, Throw right or beat some bigger. Same as Jitsu, right? Right. Yeah. Let me let me pause this real quick and we'll be right back. Alright, we are back. So <laughs> you're talking about we were talking about um, your lead up into actually training jujitsu. You trained judo. Uh, previous to that you're in <clears throat> you're in Taekwondo. And what what made the what happened where, I guess, how did you get into training jiu-jitsu? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's, probably, that's what this podcast is about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got into jiu-jitsu, so I saw the UFC in, um, I didn't see it live. My, my uh, uncle, Uncle Alan, he sent this VHS tape that had the first UFC to my dad. He goes, he goes man, you got to check this out. And I knew all, all along how powerful jiu-jitsu is because, like, hearing stories, yeah. Of my uncles and my dad, like getting in real fights. You know, they've been in a lot of fights. They, they choke people out. They would hurt people, <laughs> throw people, and all that stuff. So, so I knew it was pretty effective. I knew that if you get someone on the ground, you know, that you can have advantage because you know how to, you know, do submissions and different things. Mm -hmm. And most people don't know how to fight in the ground. And it was really neat to see, like the first UFC, because like before that, before before I got, got really got into jujitsu, I was more into like the Bruce Lee way of. Um, Learning like multiple arts, you know, and kind of yeah. blending them and stuff like that. And I'm not saying it's bad; that's still good. But I was thinking myself more as a martial arts that way, martial artist that way. Where at this point, I was becoming more of a, a judo jitsu guy than a martial artist, right? Yeah. Martial artist mean like someone that's good, like an MMA guy type thing, you know. And so is that what like a old school way of thinking or old school terminology was like? A martial artist was somebody who was uh, proficient in multiple aspects of the martial arts is that um, kind of no I think the average person a martial arts is someone different any kind of martial art but for uh, my way of thinking like like Bruce Lee's like Jiu Do type thing you know uh, to me a martial artist uh, my own personal definition was someone that was good in multiple areas right okay. so you have long range um, you have medium close grappling you know like like Jiu Do has like different ranges of fighting you know right. and I thought that's the ultimate to be good in all of those, right? And then I saw the first UFC, 
I thought Frank Schellmark was going to win because he had that well-rounded background and everything, you know? Right. And of course, he's a big guy, too. <laughs> yeah, he's a freaking muscular dude, man. Yeah, yeah. And that was the first time I saw Hill Hook, too, in that, in that fight, really? you know? Yeah. And he was a bad-looking... That was a... He was a bad-looking dude. He did not look like somebody you wanted to mess with, really. No, right? yeah, 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 yeah. He was scary, yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah. after that... Um, so, you got the tape. Yep. Right? You watched it, and you st- did that was... Well, boom! You you started training the next day, or well, there wasn't any jiu-jitsu uh, BJJ schools at the time that I knew of. Uh, I still didn't judo, but it made me want to like do those things because a lot of the techniques they used, like Hoist used, uh, are judo techniques, right? Yeah. When he did the armbar, the broken armbar, that was the coolest thing I saw back then. Where um, Hoist Gracie, this is UFC two. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he he put the guy in the armbar. Uh, Jason Delucia. He put the guy, he put Jason into the arm bar. He, Jason tried to stand up and Hoist finished it vertically. Like he's inverted, right? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, it's cool. And oh. so then back in judo, judo class, I, was, I, I, I wanted to do more like groundwork, you know, and I was working my arm bars. And then later on, um, when Hoist fought like Dan Severin, he put him in the triangle, you know, and, and I seen the triangle choke in my uncle's book, but I didn't, I didn't really learn too much in judo. But after I saw that, like, oh, I gotta do this. So I started. Uh, practicing it, you know, in judo, and I was hitting it a lot in judo, <laughs> yeah. well, in training anyway, yeah. and so like I was doing that, and then in '95, um, so I was still heavy in, in competing, so I was doing lots. When I was doing judo. I was like, that's that's my whole focus in the martial arts right then was judo. They only had class twice a week, but off class times I was doing like um, weight training and working out and all kinds of stuff. I was doing a bunch of drills. My dad's a black belt judo, right? So like, he showed me how to tie my belt around a pole. I do a bunch of entries, you know, into all these different judo techniques, how to train at home. So I was doing all that. And then I saw they offered, so the first straight last school was in Kaiser. Mm-hmm. And Matt Thornton opened that up. And, but the person teaching jiu-jitsu was Craig Bell. And so he was my first jiu-jitsu instructor, wow. uh, first Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor. And so I was in judo, spring break, I came around because judo was over at Western Oregon, there was no classes that week. And I decided, let's go and try BJJ. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to Straight Blast, and this is back, like I said, old school, 90s, and it was like the Wild West. So, so like anything went in grappling. I mean, you couldn't punch, strike, you know, eye gouge, all those kind of things. Right. But you could like, uh, you can crank, you can do like heel hooks, any kind of leg I could think of. So I remember the first, during rolling, I had this big guy I rolled with, and he um, surpassed my guard, I turtled, because in judo you turtle, because yeah. there's a lot, there's a reason why I did that, you know, because you can stand up, you know, and stop the match in judo. So I turtled, because my instinct, and the guy got behind me, and he put like this, um, this like this uh, grip around my, my jaw, and he face cranked me, and it was so painful, I had to tap. Oh, and then yeah. my, my, my jaw, like, um, you know, uh, hurt for like at least a week or two. <laughs> and, and I went to another class, I think a few weeks later, and same thing happened to me. I turtled, I, I probably had the same guy. <laughs> and he like face cranked me. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, like, I mean, you can't, that's not really illegal in Jiu Jitsu, right? But back then, mm-hmm. anything went. And, that, and after that happened, I was like, okay, no more turtling. <laughs> yeah. So I started turning on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I said, no more turtling. I was still doing judo, so I started doing uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu maybe um, once a month, if that, you know? And what I learned there really helped out my um, 
by Geo too on the maps. I learned like good escapes from Kesa. I do some escapes also, but the Gracies had some more efficient ways to escape Kesa Katami, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so I learned that. And about then, like after a couple months, after I started there, my instructor Craig Bell, who's a black belt in judo, also, he had split off and started his uh, own school. And, and so there are two schools in Kaiser. There's like uh, Northwest Jiu Jitsu, and then there was uh, Straight Blast. And they had different uh, ideas of training. You know, Straight Blast, like a little more intense. And then um, at Northwest Jiu Jitsu, the core thing was judo, but we also trained um, BJJ. Craig learned a few years ago from Fabio Santos. Fabio Santos for a while lived in oh, Portland, yeah. but after the I UFC, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but after you after the UFC came out, uh, Fabio Santos opened the gym in San Diego and moved down there. Right. And but through him, Craig met Hickson Gracie, and and he became um, one of Hickson's reps. So he had like official school on Hickson Gracie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first. The first uh, big seminar Hickson came up to, so later on in the year, Hickson came up and did a big seminar from Portland, and Craig Bell and Matt Thornton both got their blue belts uh, from Hickson. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Hickson. If you don't know who Hickson is, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but... Um, I got the role of Hickson, too. Did yeah. you really? Wow. Yeah. That's pretty I, cool. I mean, it's not saying much. I, I know that much, you know. Uh, I do like this one way... Like one trick to get a leg up is to arm wrap the guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like a 96 when I roll with him. So my whole focus, the roll. In 96? Up. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's, that's, um, dude, that was the heyday right there a little bit, at least in, in, in the US, right? That's, I mean, wow. I don't know exact, the exact date that they started, started, um, doing stuff here. Like, actually opening up schools and going around and training and all that kind of stuff but that's still pretty early right yeah like uh, the 96 schools i knew of around then like straight blast and northwest jiu-jitsu and this is up in kaiser were the first ones that i knew about later on i found out there's a northwest jiu-jitsu in eugene that opened up around that time uh, but but i i yeah I, know, I didn't know too much about that uh yeah so, so craig bell had, had his school Eventually, he moved it into a barn uh, up in Jervis, you know, because he owned property up there, uh -huh. a bunch of property, and, and he had a barn he, uh, he owned, and so he, he opened it up, up there. Yeah, yeah I think um, I think I uh, heard about that. I think we talked about that with with uh, the other Wayne. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, now, how long have you been – actually, I want to touch on this real quick. Because you mentioned that your family did judo jiu-jitsu, right? Before, mm -hmm. right? And and if any, if I just, I don't know, I, f I feel like I want to put it out there a little bit. It's like if you don't know, jiu-jitsu is not just a Brazilian jiu-jitsu thing, right? And judo and all that kind of stuff have rich history. And if you don't know the history, you should look into it a little bit, and maybe we'll touch on that one day. And but um, it eventually migrated into Brazil, and then Brazil. To here and now we are in so there and each each one has its own kind of I don't know if you some have different rules and there's different philosophies on training yeah right and um, <clears throat> the, the, uh, the, other style, the Japanese traditional jitsu styles are more formal mm -hmm. it's like more bowing and different things like that whereas in jitsu <laughs> BJJ anyway is less formal yeah which is good and bad you know so you think that's one of the bigger differences? 
Training-wise, too. Yeah. So a lot of uh, traditional jiu-jitsu schools, they'll actually do, like, sparring, as, you know, or they do every once in a while. They don't do quite as much sparring, right? Oh, okay. Um, because, like, some of the stuff they do, like, they have katas they do, and some of it's kind of dangerous, you know? They do, like, uh, neck, neck breaking, you know? Like, a dance uh, the technique where you actually break the guy's neck, you know? I mean, obviously, you don't do it for real. Right. <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> There's a lot of dead people around, right, if you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so stuff like that. Uh, some schools do do judo, you know, add judo to it, and some do uh, some sparring. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm also black belt in Danzaru Jiu-Jitsu, and up in Salem, at Salem Budokai, uh, they do like uh, sparring every once in a while. So. Okay. So, how long have you been training um, Jiu-Jitsu as we know it now, like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? And, and since 95. Since, since when? 95. Since 95. Yeah. So, You've seen like <laughs> yes, a lot of change, right? Oh yeah. What are some of the changes? What are some of the major changes that you've seen from from them till now? Yeah, the biggest change I see is BJJ becoming more of a sport. Yeah. And I know a lot of the old school people don't like that so much. Like the whole reason why I got into jiu-jitsu was for self-defense, obviously yeah. with my past, right? Which I think a lot of people so, actually end up in here because of it, right? You want to learn uh, at least I, I, a little bit. I don't know like uh, so much. Like people, everyone that trained Jiu-Jitsu back in the 90s is because they wanted to learn how to defend themselves and fight, right? It right. wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like a sport thing, you know? So the focus was on that and Hickson's style was more basic. So I didn't learn like all the advanced sports stuff till later on and I had to learn on my own. You know, like uh, someone asked um, Luis, what he thought of like, different types of guards, and he would say, Hickson said, everything but closed guard and far guard is BS, right? Yeah. He didn't say BS, but you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, closed guard is like the main thing, best thing. It, it is good for, for fighting, you know. I mean, obviously, don't be at the ground for fighting unless you have to, but if you're fighting someone, they're bigger. Closed guard is really effective. Far guard is like, it's like an open guard. We kind of turn your your uh, hips to the side. I play it sometimes here in class, but obviously, especially with more sports stuff too, I play a lot of different types of guards. Yeah, so that's the old school, and and a lot of old school people we used to practice with punches too, like self-defense mm-hmm. type stuff, right? Right. And my school, at the Hickson Racing School, we had like just a core amount of basics we did. Of course, reading all the magazines and all that stuff, I learned all the other stuff. Like, like they had the half guard back then, but half guard, as far as in the Gracie family system, was more for just a temporary way of stopping someone passing a guard. Like say someone passes your guard, mm-hmm. you put them in half guard just to stop them, just to get back close guard. It wasn't actually a position to use to like fight from, right? Uh-huh. But sport-wise, so in the late 90s, the sports stuff started getting a little more popular. And I would read these magazines and right. I wanted to learn it. So I remember like when I first started working pound with Ryland, I asked him how to do half guard and uh, he showed me half guard. So. I can show you, I can tell you about some organ panel stories too a little bit later, but yeah. <laughs> so, what other, I mean, you said like a lot of old school guys kind of like don't like it or they frown, maybe it's frowned upon, like training so much sport yes. style jujitsu. Yeah, so some of the forums like I see a lot of the old school guys aren't as happy with the, the direction the sport's taken uh-huh. to, be, to be more. Um, or the martial art, whatever, the direction of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu taken to be more sport-like, you know? Yeah. It's okay, you know, it's fun to do. But for me, at the end of the day, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the fighting art, right? Yeah. 
do you think sometimes um well i i think i think that there's been other people that said it you kind of get caught up in the sport because it's so mm-hmm. fun and you yeah, said yeah. it you said it right now right mm-hmm. it's fun so you get caught up in doing that a lot yeah 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 so would you say that would you give some of the would you give like somebody advice to start trying to think of some of the positions that they're playing in like what would happen in this scenario if this was a real life situation and I was maybe trying to you know defend sure. myself against some punches in this position yes or no it depends on why the person's training it yeah right so if you're training just to get in shape and have fun then that's fine just focus on sport right yeah. if that's what you care about um, I think it's kind of a disservice to yourself to not learn how to use it as a self-defense yeah. because it's such a powerful self-defense you know it, it's probably one of the most effective if not the most effective um, self-defense system, uh, right. system you know against an un, untrained person right? right because like there's so many things you can do um, and I like it and what my uncle used to got to jitsu is but is that you can control the level of force you put on someone so you, you can control them you know and not hurt them but if you need to, you can escalate that, right? Whereas if you do other martial arts, striking arts, you know, the only way to stop someone is by hurting them, right? Yeah. But in jiu-jitsu, you control, like, you can hurt them if you want. Yeah. You have the option. <laughs> you have the option, right? Yeah. But you can actually uh, control them. And that's why it's really popular with law enforcement people, right? Because in law enforcement, you can't just go out, you know, and beat, beat the guy up. Yeah, right, yeah, so. yeah. Um, how much has your training changed over the years because you've been in it for a long time and mm-hmm. and obviously with that time comes age and yeah. and injury and and setbacks and stuff and your elbow right now so how, how do you mm-hmm. what suggestions would you have for somebody who's trying to um some older yeah or? somebody's you know we're or even somebody younger who i, I oh, want to yeah. do this for a long time in it for the long haul but i want to i want to have a relatively healthy you know mm-hmm. uh, marathon type of jujitsu going on i don't want to gain too many injuries and i want to be able to train even when i'm older yep that's a pretty good question as far as how i'll start with like how my martial my jiu-jitsu has changed so start off more basics right and i believe in the basics you know i know you talked about in podcasts like the fundamentals mm-hmm. to me the fundamentals are like the basic techniques and it's important to like learn all those. Something that, like when I was younger, the basics were kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. So like I learned how to do like a cross choke, but then it would never work on people. Or, you know, like except, except like told beginners, right? Against people that are good. And so as a blue belt, I thought I was blue belt for a long time. But as a blue belt, I mm-hmm. thought yeah, they weren't as cool like the basic stuff. And then I met um, Rylan and, and Pedro and Mike. You know. Um, when I came to the Oregon Pound, so I came to Oregon Pound in 2004, and I met Mike. First person I met was Mike. I think, I think it was on a Saturday, and most of the guys were gone. Rylan wasn't there. Rylan was like the main teacher back then. He was at a tournament. I met Mike. You know, Mike was pretty cool. And I knew the Oregon Pound was a good school. So I stayed at my old school for a long time, out of loyalty. But eventually, at my old school, I hit a wall. Because my instructor, he would go back and train um, uh, back in Los Angeles. Train with Hickson, and he trained with Eric Paulson, which is where I got my catch stuff, and all of my leg locks. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice story. 
but uh, anyway, so from there, yeah, I went to I went to the pound, and I remember like like I was rolling with a guy, another blue belt, and he did a stack pass on me, and I was pretty impressed because stack pass is like a basic technique, but I haven't seen it used effectively in like a long time. You know, um, I knew what it was, but even though, even though I knew what it was, the guy still stack passed me and passed my guard. I go, whoa, this guy's using a basic technique and it's working on me. And so, <laughs> so I started like training and, that, and, then, and I waited a few months because I was busy at work and I came back to the pound and, and Ryan was there. You know, Ryan's pretty, pretty cool. He's, he's amazing too. Like Ryan's a great instructor and watching him roll is pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, so I trained with him and he's the one that talked about like slowing down on your rolling. Because before that, I was rolling hard like in judo a judoka because there's only so much time in the match you roll kind of harder you know right. and and so he's the one that talks about uh rolling harder and, th and this also gets to like how you should train and so Ryan says like um if you roll hard and you catch someone in the arm bar going quick you're not sure if it was luck how you got the arm bar or if it's technique oh, but wow. if you're going slower yeah. and you catch a guy in the arm bar you know it's a technique right no question yeah no question and Pedro mentioned the same thing. So I, I went to, uh, so Pedro came down and did, did a seminar at the pound. And he mentioned, like, he's been training for a long time. And he mentioned when he went back to Brazil, he would see, like, old buddies. They used to train jiu-jitsu, but they don't train anymore because they used to roll hard and they got all these injuries piled up. Right. And so, so, so Rylan and Pedro um, got me to think about how I train to kind of slow down and be more technical, right? And, yeah. and that's what really started my journey to becoming like rolling a little bit slower and more technical. Mm -hmm. It takes longer when you do that because people are still going fast, you know. It takes a little bit longer to like adjust, but in the long run, you know, that's how you get better. And also how you avoid injuries. Like like since I've been training in 95, there's only one other person that I know that's still training. So so Mel Locke uh, is the only person, he's a black belt for the Cam Camus. Uh -huh. He and I trained together uh, under Craig Bell at Northwest Jiu-Jitsu. So he's the only guy I know that's still training to this day. He's got a student that got his black belt named Frank. Um, I don't think he's training anymore, but he also like, um, he, so him and, and Frank are the only people that I know from back in the day that are still training. I, I've seen like hundreds, not thousands of people come through and like no one, no one is still training. Of course, in the 90s, it was more brutal to train. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and so, so the goal is, uh, if your goal is to last, you have to train um, smarter, right? And if you're older, my advice is to uh, tap over your tap often, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're rolling, especially when you get the blue belt, right? When you get the blue belt, you know more techniques. Sometimes people like don't want to lose, and so they focus only on their A game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. if you're just focusing on your A game, you're not expanding your knowledge, right? You're not learning more. Because by, by the time you get the black belt, <laughs> like you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to be tapping to like a bunch of lower belts because all you have is your A game. Because eventually someone's going to like get past your A game, right? right? So you have to understand like how to do other things besides that. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and if you're smaller too. So, so the other thing, advice, if you're smaller, because I was like, like one of the smallest guys when I first started doing jiu-jitsu, is that you have to like be aware of where your body's at. Because sometimes you're rolling, your arm can be in a bad position. So it's a little bit harder when you're smaller. You have to be aware of where your limbs are at, yeah. as well as what's going on in the match, right? Yeah. So, so there's a few things right there, right? <laughs> Slow it down, 
right? Slow down, tap when you need to tap. Don't tap when it's already too late because when it's too late, it's too late. Yeah. And you're injured, mm -hmm. and now you got to freaking sit out with an injury or train injured, and that's not good for the long haul, Yeah. yeah. right? And um, slow, slow, even, slow your rolling down. Try to, it sounds like be patient a little bit is in there too, right? Yeah. Be patient yeah. With, with, with how your journey is going. Yeah. And, um, and be mindful of, which is a good idea in general. We've, have, we've mentioned it before in the podcast, like situational awareness, but situational body awareness. Where are my limbs in this role? Yeah. Are, is my arm extended way too out far? And this person's going to, I don't know, accidentally fall on my arm and break my arm or something, right? That yep, kind of yep. stuff. So have that in the back of your mind while you're training and while you're scheduling your training and stuff like that, Yep. right? So it's hard too because I understand, like usually when people get hurt, it's because of ego, right? They don't want to tap. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that, of that too, right? Sometimes like I get put, get put in a position and I don't want to tap, you know? Um, but like <laughs> you, you, gotta, you gotta be smart about it a little bit. You know, and tap when you need to, you know, especially if you're older. Because when you get older, you know, and you get yeah. injured, it takes longer. Like, I hurt my elbow, like, in February, and it's still, it's still sore, you know, only because I don't want to stop training. You know, I want to keep yeah. training. I don't want to take two months off <laughs> yeah, yeah. to recover because then I lose all the training time, right? Yeah. And, and so the key to, like, getting your black belt and getting good is, like, Ryan gave me some good advice. He, he goes, um, don't stop training. So even if you only train like once a week, you know, mm. do that. You know, don't think that once a week of training is worthless. You know, yeah. you can still get out of it. Like, like if you only if you can only train once a week, you just have to have more set goals. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, like when I come to class, I always have things in the back of my head that I want to work on. Um, if you're a lower belt, uh, try the techniques that you're being taught, mm -hmm. but then have some things also that you want to work on in your role. You know, like say you're getting tapped by the arm bar, by the arm bar or something. Then like maybe figure out like some escapes, you know, or even let the person you know get you in the arm bar. Like for me, I don't try to avoid people's best games. I want to be put, especially as a black belt, right? I want to, um, <laughs> I, I want to if I get tapped, I get tapped. But I want to put myself sometimes, unless I'm working on something, and figure out how to get past that, right? Right. So, so, um, <clears throat> what do you think? about coming back from injuries and and speaking of injuries and stuff like that what do you what, what are your thoughts on on um i guess getting yourself back into the game after being injured because you'd mentioned you had a heart attack a while back mm -hmm. right yep. and that took you out of the game for a little bit and, yep, but yep. you came back yeah right so um what are your thoughts on on getting yourself back how do you how how do you do that if you're i don't know if you've got some kind of crazy injury it took you out for a while <laughs> or you had a heart attack right yeah yeah, yeah. How, how do you come back from that um you gotta be smart right and it depends how serious it is you know obviously ask your doctor right yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we are not doctors <laughs> <laughs> like, i want to say anything like like if you have a major injury like a heart attack like i had you know um which i should probably tell a story eventually because yeah. The symptoms I had were different than normal, but um, but going back, like the worst injury I had for me, judo was harder physically than BJJ, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, it's a tournament where I broke my arm, right? It got like dislocated, always back the opposite way. Oh wow, no way. <laughs> That's a different story, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was out for like, um, I was actually back to training after a couple of weeks, but when you come back though, you just have to like figure out what you can do, you know, yeah. and, and do that and work way, work your way up, you know, like if it's like a joint injury or something, like usually like weight training, Sometimes light, you know, uh, yeah. physical therapy type stuff. You know, I, I never actually worked with like a physical therapist. Um, I kind of figured out on my own like what to do. For example, one time in the '90s, I rolled like this really huge guy. Um, it's like 300 something, and I don't know what happened. But later on that night, my my um, my shoulder like like really sore, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I started like um, lifting weights, doing like presses and stuff. And eventually, I did my own rehab. It took me a few months. But I was able to rehab that and make it strong enough where I haven't had that issue again. And, and the same thing with my arm. You know, um, I had like tendonitis in my left elbow where I broke it in judo. Uh, and it took a while. I, it was sore like for a long time. <laughs> and I just got trained. So you got to train like how you can and smart. The thing is, people that have been in a long time, I, I have a lot of respect for like all the higher belts because. You to get that far, you gotta train through those kind of things, you know. And not everyone can do it, you know. So jitsu isn't for everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> jitsu, jitsu, and so like, you're gonna get hurt, but you can minimize how you get hurt by training smart. That's the biggest thing. It's common sense and training smart, right? Mm -hmm. And as far as coming back from injuries, I don't know. It just depends, you know. Just like do what you can, don't try to overdo it. And come back when you can, you know. And, and if you're young, you have plenty of time to like come back. You know, it's not like you have to get back, and you know, be back 100 like in a short amount of time. You right. have time to rehab that, you know. Another thing is, if you got an injury and it's pretty bad, if you come back too soon and you injure it again, it can make it even worse. Right. right? So now you're out longer. Yes. You yeah. Know, For, right? Or you can have permanent injury, right, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Taking time and doing what you can do, and it's it's you know it's a, a reoccurring a reoccurring thing in, in in these podcasts and doing these interviews with everybody is that that consistency thing comes up a lot. If you can only train a day, train a day. Do what you can do. Yeah. Right. So that's a big thing coming back from an injury. Do what you can do. Try to keep it mm -hmm. relatively mellow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I have a. Um... A story, a good story, organ pound, old school story about um, training slower, you know, and more technical. It's kind of hard for young people when they hear that to like believe that, you know. Because yeah. you see people rolling, a lot of times they're rolling hard, you know, and you're thinking that's what you gotta do to like beat someone bigger, you know, and stronger. And the one thing that really reinforced that slower rolling was back in the 90s, um, so Ryland. Ryland Lazares, so he's kind of like under, we're kind of under him a little bit. Um, so I train with him, he's an amazing, amazing guy. He, when you roll with him, <laughs> he can, like his knowledge of biomechanics, you know, is so amazing, like, I'll be in his, his, uh, his clothes guard and I'll try to do something, he'll just move like a hair and, and totally throw off my, my game, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. And so he's the one that people have told me, to like you know, kind of slow down a little bit on your rolling. And one night he was teaching, and this guy came came down from Team Quest. So Team Quest back in the nineties was like really big, well known, you know, because yeah. uh, UFC and everything. And this big guy came in, 
and, and I think he heard about Rylan, and he wanted to uh, train with us. So he trained, and, and during the rolling, of course, I wanted to see like, how how's Rylan gonna handle this really big guy? And, and so, rolling happened, Rylan didn't end up rolling with him at all. You know, I was like, oh man, I wouldn't see that. But in the after class, uh, Rylan rolled with him, and this guy's explosive. Like, during class, he's like smashing people, you know, doing the rolling and stuff like that, and beating people. And Rylan rolled the same way with him, as he, did, as he did with everybody else. It's pretty amazing. And so you see him rolling, and he's like maneuvering this guy into an arm bar, and you can see it watching it a mile away. It's coming, you know, and the guy couldn't stop it. And, it, it, and this guy was like big and strong and explosive, you know, right. and he couldn't stop Rylan from, uh, from like rolling in and, and catching the arm bar. And that made me like, whoa, you know, like that's kind of something to reinforce that you can roll a bit slower and still beat people a lot bigger and stronger. Yeah. So um, do you think that's a good, you know, getting away from the, like the injury aspect, yeah. and you know, you're mentioning that you were a smaller guy, and and yeah. um, there's a lot of smaller guys out there. Do you think that? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of us, right? Um, you think that that method, that rolling slower, kind of more technical kind of thing, can help a, a smaller person mm -hmm. um, um, develop uh, more solid jujitsu? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yes. Rather than training just like, oh, fast and, and go, go, go. And, yeah. and it's hard. not to say that you can't train fast and be technical, right? So right, a lot, yeah, of, a lot yeah. of top world guys, you know, do that. Right. Like, if you're doing competition, you know, yeah. at the highest levels, you have to have that super fast rolling in there. Right, so I'm right. not saying... To develop those fast twitch exactly. muscles and, and, and being able to snap on something quick, quick, right? And you have to get used to that pace, right? Right. So I'm not saying that you should never train hard and fast. Yeah. Uh, you should sometimes train hard and fast, you know. Um, for the most part, it depends on you know why you're doing why you're training, right? For yeah, me, yeah. I'm not trying to be a world class guy, and like I'm probably part of the everyday jitsu guy, right? Because I'm just a part time jitsu guy. Like uh -huh. I don't do this for a living or anything like that, you know. And so um, I try to train, train smarter. It's kind of a difference between um, Ayla Gracie's family side, which we're kind of under that. Right. So like Henner and and and, um, and right? They talk about keep it playful. Right. Right. And so. Um, I think that style is good for the average person, you know. Mm -hmm. If if you're going to compete, you do need to add some more intensive training. So I'm not saying you should never train intense, you right. know. Um, Maybe have um, cycles. Yeah, like if, like I said, if you're going to be competing on a yes. regular basis, but you still want to keep it pretty light and and utilize the the advantages of training more slower sometimes. Yeah. Right. And, oh, and actually, I saw that firsthand. So. The old school I went to, I left it because I hit a wall on like what I was learning. And the problem was because I was smaller. Every time, I, for example, half guard. Every time I, I tried to do half guard, boom, I got smashed like a big guy, you know, <laughs> rolling. Right. Yeah. So I never got to learn how to do half guard, right? And then I started training at the pound, and they roll a little bit more slower and technical. And then I was able to get into the half guard. I was able to play around with it a little bit. Of course, sometimes in the beginning, you know, I couldn't hold it very long, and I get right. passed or smashed or whatever. But I was actually able to get into that more, right? And um, so I trained there, and I went back to our old school every once in a while because I wanted to bring some, I wanted to share what I learned, you know, with that. Mm -hmm. um, that didn't go over, over too well with <laughs> a couple people there, but um, so I want to do that. And after I trained at the pound, like nine months later, I went back, and I was sweeping everyone uh, <laughs> with half guard, wow. pretty much everyone with half guard. And I couldn't do that before because every, all the big guys, 
I tried to play half guard. Like I said, boom, they smashed me, you know. And then yeah. the pound, I was, I was able to get into that. I was able to like try different things, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, Experiment yeah. with those with those move or with those techniques. Yes. That you but, weren't able but, to. But if I was about hundred percent, you know, and you're smaller, I mean, you, there's you no get, chance. There's no chance. Yeah, if the guy just boom smashes you, you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's advantages to training slow sometimes. Yes. And and having like a cycle where you train slow and more methodical yeah. and then you can start to kind of play with the more explosive kind of things later on when you get more experience or when you're like closer to yeah. to or you have an idea of I'm gonna be competing in pretty Well soon. technically if you're good, you should never have to be explosive, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. But like if you watch Gordon Ryan roll, um now he was talking about like uh, I don't know what, what he said exactly, but he, you shouldn't have to like explode like, like a submission, you know. So you see him you know, like footage, you know. He'll get someone like in the arm bar, or he'll set it up, you know, and then he'll just like take it easy, right? right. You didn't see him like cranking the crap out of it just to get the submission, right? Yeah. And so, so um, then we mentioned keeping it playful. Um, <laughs> that's a good. One. I, I kind of like that too. Like every now and then, because you know, it's not the be all crazy all the time, right? Keep mellow, keep playful sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It allows you to kind of um, let some of those techniques sink in. Yeah. 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 And um, so speaking of Gordon, Ryan, right? Yeah. Um, so you've had all these years. So tell, so tell me what was the, what is the, was it really that much of a, like, um, uh, um, a taboo to to do like heel hooks and 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 that stuff back in the day or yes and no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to ask, you know. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. So in the nineties, the first school I trained in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was at Northwest Jiu Jitsu under Craig Bell, and we learned a little bit of the basics, right? Mm -hmm. Because Craig didn't train all the time with Hickson, we didn't get like lots of like super technical stuff but it's okay because we also did judo and craig was a wizard on the on the, on the niwaza so the ground part mm -hmm. so in judo sometimes you have people called a niwaza expert niwaza yeah. is like the ground stuff you know and he knew all kinds of crazy ground stuff and so he knew all that stuff in judo he, he knew stand up but he also trained with uh, eric paulson who was like an early uh no holds barred type mm -hmm. pioneer he's a judo champion and, and that's where i learned um Bunch of leg locks. That's another story, but yeah. <laughs> that's where I fell in love with leg locks uh, back then. Well, I guess it's part of leg locks too. Um, how I really got into leg locks in 1980 is when I first saw my first uh, leg lock. Before okay. I moved here to uh, to Oregon, I did a class with my uncle, uh, and he showed like a straight ankle lock. But it was a standing version, right? And I saw him a few more times in uh, seminars. And then when the UFC came up, came out. I was trying to apply that. You know, we're pretty good, right? Because not people didn't really know much about leg locks, and we're pretty good. And then I started training under um, Craig, who trained under Craig, uh, um, trained under Eric. Uh, he knew some different entries I haven't seen before. And in '97, I remember, I never forget this. Uh, Craig, my instructor, went back to California. He trained with um, Hicks and Gracie, but didn't like this intensive leg lock type training with Eric Paulson. And he came back. And he showed like, I, I saw a knee bar before, but he showed like toe holds and different types of hill hooks and different entries. And like, I knew when I was seeing that, I was like, whoa, I was like, this is gonna be, this could elevate my game. Like sometimes you see things, you know, for me anyway, sometimes you see things, I know that this is gonna totally change my game. Yeah. And so I started working on that. <laughs> and I got really good. It took me like, like a few months to like incorporate it all. 
but then I was tapping everyone, you know, <laughs> with leg locks. So much so that because I was smaller, I, I didn't bother passing the guard, you know. I just went back and I leg locked. And as I joined that, so it was okay there. When I went over to uh, the pound, I didn't want to be known as like the leg lock guy. I, I wanted to learn jiu-jitsu for it is, you know. Right. And so I, I didn't do that much leg locks there. I wouldn't say there was necessarily a taboo against uh, heel hooks at the pound itself. Uh, there was, there's a, there's a little bit of an anti-judo back then. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not by everybody, but um, in general, I think, in the U.S., because I see the forums, you know, there's more like BJJ back then versus judo, which I understand because some of the top um, Brazilian guys in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they cross-trained in Judo too. Right. You know? And, and so, that's where Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu came from, Yeah, yeah. Judo, right? It was like the immigrants that immigrated from Japan during that time, back in the day, but anyways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Is it, so there's more so of that, and, but most schools didn't train leg locks. I remember on a business trip, I went over to Omaha and I, I trained at this Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school over there. I was a blue belt. And then went against, um, well, I watched them train over there. Yeah. And, and their jiu-jitsu was way better, but they didn't train any leg locks, really. And after class, this guy who took um, second at Pan Ams, you know, a little bigger than me, and he wanted to roll nogi. So he rolled nogi. And um, anyway, I don't tell the whole story about the matches, but I did catch him. He caught me, and eventually I caught him in, in a combination of like leg lock attacks. I went for a toe hold, he rolled. I went to the knee bar, he rolled. I went to an ankle lock. And, and he was like, whoa, what is that? You know, because... Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't trained that much by other schools. So, it wasn't, it wasn't like a big taboo thing. It just didn't... Not at the places that I trained at, you know. Mm. I think at the pound, the early days, if I would have caught some of my peers in heel hooks, they might not have thought of that as like, um, I don't know. They may have thought of it as more of a sneaky thing, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that Ryland, Ryland didn't care, Ryland or Mike or any of the, the, the higher guys, you know. But um, maybe some people, some of my peers might have thought that possibly, you know. Right, right. And I think other schools definitely, I hear, you know, like I haven't been to any schools locally that really, in Oregon anyway. Because, like, BJJ was still kind of new, and, and so people were cross training and a lot of stuff. In fact, that's how, that's the point of my game, because I didn't have a lot of access to like lots of different jitsu, you know, I, I had the fundamentals, you know, mm -hmm. that was passed down from Hickson to my instructor. And so I, I had to go outside of that. And the one thing I had was my uncle's system, small school jitsu, mm -hmm. he had these 10 principles and that's why I incorporated, incorporated that into my jitsu, which I still do now. So you hear me when I teach, I talk yeah. about small circle and different things. And so that's what makes my game a little different. Um, yeah, so. Is that you kind of merge, it merges the two. Your your family's uh -huh. martial art and and um, the stuff that's been passed down from Hickson and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is kind of merged. Oh, so yeah, cash, everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and judo. there's some cash and then judo and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like so, like my ankle locks, my short ankle lock. Mm -hmm. I teach it. You know, uh, I like to use a, one of one of the main ways I like to finish is using a, a small circle Jiu Jitsu finish. I do other finishes, obviously too, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And what is um, just for anybody who's not not aware? Um, so what 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 is like some of the principles of like the small judo um, um, small circle. Uh, yeah small circle sorry small circle um, so how would you say like uh, 
you said there's 10 principles yeah and uh, like <laughs> small like i guess what what, what would I, I don't know like uh what are some of the some of the um theories behind like finishing in the small circle it, it'll take me a while to explain yeah. all the ten principles. This is like um, balance, avoid head-on collision of forces, mobility versus stability, uh, focus on the smallest point possible, uh, energy transfer, sticking, control, and sensitivity, um, transitional flow, rotational momentum, using a base, and mental distraction. Ah. <laughs> so like, um, it, it'll take me a while to explain all those, mm -hmm. but those are the core things. Um, in fact, uh, it's a good chance I'll be testing for my black belt in small circle over oh, wow. at the end of the summer. I, I know all the old school stuff, mm -hmm. but my cousin Leon, who's um, Uncle Wally's youngest son, he runs it now. He's over in England, and um, and so uh, he changed it a little bit. I don't know some of the newer stuff. I mean, I do know now some of the newer stuff, yeah. but I know the old stuff really well. Uh, the, the, the main thing in small circle is um, it, the main the, the core thing is like a small tightening circle, mm -hmm. right? If I had a video, I, I can show it easier. But like, say you take uh, get a wrist Which lock. Which you do have videos on YouTube, right? Just to mention oh, I do, yeah. 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 <laughs> so in case you're interested, go on there, YouTube. What's your YouTube? It's under my name, yeah. Wayne Sniffen, so W-A-Y-N-E-S-N-I-F-F-E-N. -E -E During COVID, I needed something to do, you know, and so I started playing up my game. Um, how I do things a little differently on mm -hmm. there, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, like a wrist lock. Without video, it's hard to show, but you could grab the guy's wrist and you make this big circle. Mm -hmm. And there's no pain until the end of this big circle, right? Yeah. Uh, but small circle is you grab the wrist and you, you quickly um, create the small circle. And the, and one of the important points of that is two-way action. It's always a push-pull motion, mm -hmm. but it's not just a push-pull, it's a push-pull uh, tightening circle, right? So for example, a knee bar, when I first started doing a knee bar, uh, back in the 90s, I grab the guy, hug the guy's leg, and I'll pull back, right? And on big guys, it wasn't working. But then I started thinking of the two-way action. So I, so I added pulling back my arms and hipping in. And so that creates a circle, right? Ah, and that's right. what made it work. You know, it's always, so every single joint submission, you want to have two-way action. I guess also in chokes too. So I go behind the guy, I do a short choke, you know, I, I pull and push my shoulder in, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's just like, the, the main core thing, but then there's other stuff, and, and some of those are more applicable to like stand up type stuff than others, you know. Oh, okay, so um, <clears throat> when did you start implementing? Did when you train when you started in in jiu jitsu? Did you uh, did you automatically just start start incorporating some of yeah? So um, some of that. My uncle, he's known for jitsu, but he's also known for judo, and that's. Uh. Maybe if I did that podcast, that's a whole other story, like how he went from getting destroyed to like having one of the top teams in California. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and maybe the next podcast will do Bruce Lee too. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, so like, he's got his own way of doing judo. He had the problems when he first started doing judo. The, the, the Japanese judoka were destroying him, and so he had to go outside, because he knew if he trained the same way that the, uh, the Japanese judoka were training, that he'd always be behind, right? Because they've been doing it longer. And, and they know that style, right? And so he had to go, he started uh, studying, he got the sports medicine book, and he started using information on that. Uh, it probably had five mechanics and different things. And he started using things he knew from other arts, like boxing. Like this is a way you can throw, using like a boxing like uh, cross punch, you know, to get more power. And, and he started incorporating the, the small circle stuff into judo. And 
the students are doing really good in, the, uh, in competition. So I learned some of that from my dad doing judo. I learned a lot of small circle judo type stuff. And then in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I started, because I was smaller and I had to find different ways. And so from early, from early on, I started like playing with things. So for me on the mat, it's kind of like a lab, right? And I go through, I try things, you know, and so I started doing that back in the 90s and trying to figure out, like I went through so many iterations of techniques, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I just throw away. If it doesn't work, and I try it for a little bit and I throw it away. So it's taken me a long time to kind of figure out like the best ways for me um, to like make it work, you know. Uh, I try to focus more on technique than strength. For me, the art of jujitsu, like my uncle had a saying, it's not how, how much strength you can put into a technique, it's the least amount of strength you can put in the technique and still make it work, mm. right? That, that's kind of the art form. And in a fight, of course, you have to like error more towards like putting more strength into it, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because if you put too little, the guy can get out. And, and rolling sometimes you got to put a little bit more, but if you really want to do the art form, you really need to focus on um, technique and using less strength, right? And that way you can do it as you get older, so. And it can serve you well on your journey into getting older and you can still train. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that's what, I think that's part of the, the reason I thought you, when I first started delving into jujitsu a little bit is like, Oh dude, that's cool. You still, you hear the story of like Elio Gracie and he was, you know, smaller than his brothers and he had to like twist, you know, tweak the technique so that he can use less energy, didn't yeah. have to be really strong, he uses leverage and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So well, Jiu-Jitsu is the only martial art that I've trained where I really can like beat someone a lot bigger. Like I've thrown like guys like 300 pounds or more, mm -hmm. right? They're like twice my size. And I can't see myself beating someone that big just by striking, you know? Yeah. I'm not really a striker anyway, but you know what I'm saying being smaller, yeah, yeah. and same with jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu is like the only art too where you see sm small guys being big guys. You know, I beat yeah. like bodybuilders, mm -hmm. I beat like um, all kinds of different martial artists. You know, a lot of them are bigger. Um, I have a good story about <laughs> being like this um, college uh, football player that's like super strong. You know, yeah, and, and that uses Bruce's concept. You like water, which is what I love that. I, teach, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I did mention it before, but yeah, and. Um, and the neat thing is, I'll, so I'll have my own school, you know, I, I teach other, th other stuff, but I did have like one person that's kind of my student, you know, direct student, is my son. And, mm -hmm. and he is like, um, <laughs> he was someone I was able to show, and, and his game is my game, right? And so, like, you can, I don't know if you roll with him, but you can see like how he rolls, and yeah. he doesn't use a lot of strength. Now he's stronger, right? But, mm. but he uses a lot more technique, you know? And that, that can lead to like how I teach kids, too. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, maybe we'll do it. We'll do another one. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get that in there, too. But yeah, I, I remember rolling with your son. And I, man, holy crap, dude, this guy's so heavy. Like, he's so heavy feeling, but he's so mobile, and, and it, dude, it, I was like freaking, I remember the first time I rolled one, I was, I was freaking blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, dude. He's like, cause he's a, I mean, he's a pretty muscular dude, but he's not like huge, man. He's not like a huge burly guy, yeah, yeah. but he sure as hell feels that way. Yeah. You know, especially when he's putting the freaking pressure on you and moving around on you. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 
It's it's it's crazy. And, and how I train them too was different than how I've ever trained anyone too. So like we can get that get into that sometime. But um, and you saw him was a little bigger, but he was like an adult class. He was about thirteen years old, you know. And yeah. so he was like small. And by the time he was like 14, 15, uh, he was beating people that were a lot bigger than him. Yeah. And there's a strategy and a way of training to how to get there. Yeah. So it's kind of fun, yeah, because I had to think of a way, what's the fastest way I can train someone to beat someone um, bigger? So, so I, I figured out, like, like, if I had to teach someone in a, in a quick way how to beat someone bigger and stronger, what would I do and how would I train them? Mm. And so that's, that's what I did with them. Not like a time to get into that, but... Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know you got to get some stuff going. I got to get some stuff going, actually, too. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we're gonna leave it there. That's a good. That's a, yeah, that's a good cliffhanger. People are gonna be like, "No, tell us right now." Yeah. But um, can, next time we talk, too, yeah. I can tell you more stories about Bruce Lee because uh, Bruce Lee was a friend of my family's, uh-huh. right? Uh, before he became famous, and a lot of his, uh, I've heard some, some some of his students say that my uncle was the one that influenced him in cross training too in different martial arts. Really? So I've, yeah, I have lots of stories about that too. Yeah. Heck yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Well, it was I appreciate I appreciate you sitting down with us, and um, usually what we do is right at the end, we give the guests an opportunity to uh, lay down a quote <laughs> that they like or enjoy. Do you have any of those? Oh, I got tons, but um, I mean the one that's already been said is Bruce Lee's like uh-huh. be like water. So I won't like. I can't see as cool. I can't say it as cool as Bruce Lee does. So <laughs> yeah. if you look up, who can really though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. YouTube. If you look up, uh, look up, be like water. And so that is how I think of when I train. You know, um, you know, like sometimes you want to flow and crash. And next time we talk, too, I can tell you like how I use that against really huge guys and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but the other good quote. One of my favorite ones I heard back in the 90s was from Hicks and Gracie. Ooh. Yeah, and so his quote was, tough is not how you act, tough is how you train. Ooh, boy, you hear that? That's a good one. I'm going to leave it right there, just like that. Um, As always, I appreciate you for sitting down with us, and I appreciate you guys for listening, and I hope this episode finds you in good spirits and in good health. Later. Thank you.